The Women in Media podcast is proudly sponsored by Organic Traditions for spring 2024. Stay tuned for a special deal during this episode. Sarah Burke here, the host of the Women in Media podcast. Today's guest has only been in the music industry for 12 years, and she's got a great story to share about the how. But one thing is for certain, she's accomplished a lot in a very short period of time. Don't mistake kindness with weakness. And there's been a number of instances out there, because I am nice, that people put it this way. I'm nice and I'm not aggressive. That doesn't mean I'm not assertive and don't get stuff done. Because when I do need to step up or I do need to kick a butt or I do need to have the hard conversations or say what needs to be said or even get a little bit angry now and then, people aren't expecting it. So um, maybe that's a bit of a secret weapon, we'll say. My guest today is Lori Brown of Porch Swing Entertainment, MDM Recordings, and manager to country musician Don Amaro. How are you, Lori? It's so nice to see your face, although through the computer. Yes, I'm very good. It's nice to see your lovely face. I know we've been in contact here and there uh, on text and emails, but it's always good to see your face again. Yes. So the last time I saw you was at the Canadian Country Music Awards in uh, London, Ontario, end of 2021. You're managing Don Amaro. We should start the podcast with saying that you are the manager for um, this fabulous human and musician. You've recently sort of uh, switched your career in a sense in that now uh, you're doing like 100% of his management, whereas before you were just doing some of it. Can you explain like your current role with Don and sort of how it evolved? Yes, you bet. You bet. Happy to. I've worn a number of hats uh, on the management side, consulting, project management, a lot of different things I've done over the years. Uh, Started working with Don six years ago almost already, which is crazy. Um, First consulting and then moving into full management, handling all of the music pieces. And then as Don's career has grown to encompass public speaking, uh, he's written a book, he's working, he's working on a podcast and web series as well. Uh, it just built to the point where he needed some additional assistance on those bigger pieces. So I moved into full-time uh, artist management, handling full career management in September of last year. So stepped away from all my other uh, clients, my other duties. I was uh, executive director with Country music Alberta at that point in time so took the big leap uh, put all my eggs into one basket so to speak but it's pretty darn good basket so I think I'm okay and uh, yeah so I now moved into handling uh, the full Don Amaro career which is really cool because it just opens things up outside of all the music stuff which we absolutely love but it's really challenging and fun to be able to dip my toes into some other areas that I'm not so familiar with so it's been a journey and it will continue to be I'm sure. It's almost like you won the lottery with which artist you're managing because he does have all these different things that he loves to do right. Um, Was that decision something that took you a while to make like what made you feel confident enough to just you know, make that change in your life? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I've had other opportunities come into the mix. One a couple of years ago uh, to move, basically it would have meant leaving Dawn behind and everything else to move into a position uh, with one of our very well-established Canadian country artists. And uh, it wasn't a question for me at that time. I knew it wasn't the right move. Um, But with this opportunity to step into that with Dawn, it made sense because for 
one, I was, I've been working with him. It was five years at the time. So we'd work through, not that there was anything to work through, but you know, we, we just worked so well together and we've become good friends as well. So when that opportunity came, I liked the idea of slowing down a little bit and not having so many people. I was able to put the focus more on him, who was my most established artist anyway. So it was really great to be able to do that. And it really didn't give me pause. I remember discussing it with my husband at the time. And I said exactly that. I said, well, I guess this is all my eggs in one basket here, but it's pretty darn nice basket. You never know what the future is going to hold. But I, I remember saying, well, I guess if I think about it, my next step's probably going to be retirement. So if that were to happen, then I guess it's early retirement for me. So it's, it's pretty good. But yeah, Don, uh, as you know, not just a fabulous artist, but just probably one of the absolute best human beings that I know. And so that personal fit as well as the professional fit is really just a blessing to have. So there's something that's like, you know, a little nerve wracking sometimes in artist management where, you know, you are also friends with the person that you're managing, right? Uh, I, I guess the question here is when you're dealing with a creative and decisions need to be made that sometimes the creative might not like, how do you approach that? I've been in that position many times. So, um, and again, I've managed a number of other people over the years as well. Feel free to drop some of those names, by the way, too. Okay, well, absolutely. So uh, some of the ones that might be more recognizable would be Adam Gregory, uh, Jeffrey Straker in the folk world, fabulous folk artist, uh, the Doll Sisters, and I've done consulting with just tons across the board. But kind of the way I like to approach it or the way I see it is... To me, the artist makes the decisions. This is up to them. My job as a manager is to support that decision 100%, regardless of whether I agree with it or whether it was the decision I would have made. So for example, you're choosing what the next single is going to be and we're not sure. Um, it's up to the artist to make that choice and then I support it 100%. If I'm ever in a situation, and I have been in a situation, not with Dawn, but uh, where if it's ever a situation where I can't support it or I really feel like this is going to be detrimental for the artist's career or my career or the wheels are going to fall off, then it means I have to step away. And I, I have had to do that in the past. But um, outside of that, my job is to not make the decision, but bring all of the information to the artist and ensure that they are making a well-informed decision. And then once mm. they make it, I support it 100%. Hmm. And now you've got this other part, um, this other sort of uh, player at the table in a label. So you're working with MDM Recordings, and, and this is sort of new for you, right? Um, how has it been, you know, making sure that you bring all the information to the table, of course, to make sure that well-informed decisions happen, but also knowing that there's a, another bigger funder in the room? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it, it's interesting with MDM. I mean, they are an amazing label and, and the people, just the whole team there is um, just the integrity, the work ethic. Um, we've seen and all of us have seen MDM go kind of 
up and down through artist losses and new artists coming into the mix and all of that. So it's been impressive just to watch their journey before we were part of it um, and then to continue to be part of that journey. So I'll just backtrack super quick here. And, you know, when Dawn signed with MDM, a lot of times when an artist uh, is signing with a label, the current manager goes bye-bye and they are out of the that's picture. That's exactly where I was going with this. Yeah, that's exactly what, what happens. And especially with the majors, um, that's often the way it goes. And just with the relationship that Don and I have built, um, I knew and he had told me that that would be a deal breaker. If I wasn't along for the journey, then he wasn't going. So uh, thankfully, that didn't even come up, uh, which was nice. Beautiful. But with Mike Denny, um, the way Mike manages is he co-manages everybody. So we had a co-manage um, opportunity on the table there that we had to think about. And, and it was it was tricky at first because Don and I, again, we had been together, I guess, would be three and a half, four years at that point in time. And we worked so well together. And it's, you know, bringing somebody else in, even if it's a great person and someone you admire, it's bringing a lot to the table. Having a third person in that dynamic can be really tricky. So, you know, back and forth with our conversations with Mike, we were pretty upfront that we basically didn't want me to change anything I was doing because it was working so well. And Mike was more than happy. He's like, I don't want to touch any of that, all the day-to-day stuff. Uh, And he was happy with that. So I'm happy to say, you know, three years in with the label deal, it's been great. Uh, Mike and I co-manage very well together. I'm Dawn's day-to-day manager. I handle all the bits and pieces. I'm, for the most part, the channel for the rest of the team through to Dawn, make sure everything gets done. Mike is that kind of big picture industry guy dealing with the bigger things, uh, the streaming partners, the Nashville people and bringing relationships into the mix that I wouldn't have been able to do. So it's been a really great match. Uh, So it's, you know, pretty cool as a manager to be so warmly welcomed in there with your artist and not seen as an interloper coming in. So that first was amazing. And, And now again, here we are three and some years later, and I'm now actually working on the label side as well. So, uh, Mike had asked me to come in and uh, help on the radio side. So it gives me opportunity to do some bits and pieces with uh, a few of the other MDM artists, Jess Moskaluk, Tyler Joe Miller, Five Roses, David James. I've even got a couple gold records hanging on my wall, something I never thought I'd see in my career because I've been part that team for uh, TJ and Jess with their number ones Um, and and I'm doing some other things so it's nice I've had that opportunity um, come outside of the work I've done with Dawn so uh, that's been really good but I, I think you know going back to the team question and the decision making with anybody I think just good communication um is key Good communication is key, and I think just have that open communication. We haven't always agreed on everything, but we can always talk things through, and we always have that open communication. And in the end, we we do agree, and no matter what we're doing with the whole team, we move forward as a team. And when you have an artist like Dawn, who's also very flexible and open and adaptable, willing to try different things, and he isn't rigid, that makes it a whole lot uh, easier as well. So maybe you can share uh, with what you were just getting at, you know, a time where you had to have a conversation where 
you didn't see eye to eye. Maybe it is with Don and, and Mike and MDM, but maybe it's something earlier in your career. Um, dealing, dealing with a decision that had to be made where not everyone at the table was um, seeing, seeing eye to eye. Yeah, um, I've had a few of those, actually. I know in particular, um, as an artist I had worked with, actually for quite a while, we were probably at least two years working on all the behind the scenes stuff. So getting the music ready, doing the recording, doing all that back end stuff. Things were great. Uh, we had what I thought was very good, very open communication. And, um, you know, I was very clear on what I thought the expectations were, not of myself per se, but of the industry. Like when you start releasing music and how radio works and, and all of all of that goes into it and, and that you're playing the long game here. There's no quick, uh, quick hits and, and quick fixes. So you know, we had great communication. We got all, all the back end work done. Everything was great. Then we started releasing music. Uh, the first song was great, did decently well. And we started talking to a couple labels and, and looking at those things. And then at the end of the day, as we continued to start to look to put more music out, um, the artist just felt that they didn't want to do a lot of what I felt needed to be done, the social media, a lot of that behind the scenes stuff, stuff that a manager can't do that the artist is needing to do. Um, I felt in one of the labels we were talking to at the time felt the music needed to be tweaked a little bit. So maybe redoing a few things and at the end of the day, we had um, a few conversations and uh, I just felt that I wasn't getting what I needed from the artist in order to do my job. And the artist just felt that, you know, they wanted the songs on the radio. They wanted to play the big shows, but they didn't want to have to do all the other stuff. And it was a case of you're the manager, make it happen. And so it was that tough conversation of, doesn't work that way and so what what happened at, at the end of it we had a number of conversations and I just basically said well look I I can't continue to do my job without you doing yours so I basically put the person on probation for three months and said here's what I need to see because I can't do my job without this and I For also don't want to continue working together at, at stake you know I said I'm going to push pause on the label talks and you know the team building still behind the scenes doing some grant stuff doing some other stuff I need to and I said let's give it three months here's what I need and if we can get these pieces going then we'll kind of move on and um, at the end of three months just nothing was done there was no change in the artist position so I had to say uh, you know what I'm sorry, this just isn't going to work. But it was just our perspectives on the music industry were very different. But it took us two years to figure that out. It took us until we were releasing music to figure that out. And and I am happy to say we are on good terms. We parted on good terms. We remain okay. friends, which is great. Um, I, I always try to, if you do have to part ways, and often we do, I do try to do it on good terms. And I think for the most part, I've been Pardon me. I've been able to do that. I think so. With so much industry experience, like with someone like you, you know, there there is sometimes a, an education factor, right? Where you're showing an artist the way because you've been, you know, around yeah. the around the industry uh, long enough. What's something that you found you learned when you started working closely with MDM? Something that maybe just like you know wasn't part of your repertoire before. 
Hmm, something that I learned with MDM. Um, I think one of the biggest things I learned that um, things work very differently at the label level than they do at a full independent level. So again, with Don and I, I mean, I live in small town, Alberta, um, and have, you know, not wanted to relocate anywhere. I've had to travel a lot um, to make sure work gets done. But, you know, we had our little independent, me and Don, Don from Winnipeg, me from Alberta, doing our thing, kind of finding our way um, and, you know, trying to break through. And then when you have a label come into the mix, it's just a whole different level of how things get done, um, how quickly things get done, um, having um, the relationships, because in this business, it's, I always say, the things that are going to move you forward are the talent and the relationships. If you have all the talent in the world, but you don't build effective relationships and it takes a long time to do that, you're not going to be able to be successful on a big level. Um, if you've got those relationships in play, you got to have the talent to back it up. So I think just going from fully independent, small town Alberta, doing my thing the best way I know how, making the mistakes, learning from them, picking myself up and continuing on, um, having um, just the knowledge base and the experience of Mike Denny and his whole team around him was a huge education for myself. And I think even now, um, there's not a day goes by that I'm not still learning still learning. Mm. And, and I like to share that. So, you know, I've had a lot of really great mentors myself, still do. And I'm happy to be in a position now where I can now pass that forward, pay it forward, pass it down to others and be able to share um, some of that experience and share quite honestly, the mistakes I've made. And yeah what's come of that and how I've moved forward from, from that. And if somebody else can learn um, from, and these would be the words of Don Amaro, if somebody else can learn from our journey, then let's help them out. Like he's an open book. He, he is so open to me sharing what our journey has been, the good, bad, and otherwise what's worked, what hasn't um, because learning from that can help other people on their journey so learn from our mistakes and then hopefully learn from uh, the good stuff too hmm. can you share what you feel is a mistake that you learned the most from in your career before dawn during dawn doesn't matter when <clears throat> yes absolutely I think my the biggest mistake I make is um Having a little bit too much of a heart sometimes, I think. Um, I'm a helper at heart, and that's a great thing. Um, that's kind of the basis of all I do, whether it's talking to the neighbor across the street who's playing his banjo out, you know, out front and, you know, wants to be the next big thing, just giving some advice, whatever. Uh, or if it's... Uh, you know, dealing with industry people or artists, it's just, you know, I get a lot of emails, a lot of calls. Unfailingly, I mean, I can't take on any more work or clients, but I'm always happy to take a call. So usually it'll be, I, I'm sorry, I can't help with this. Um, you know, I just, I have too much on my plate. However, I'm happy to have a call. So we'll set up a chat and I can give some guidance, advice, whatever. So, and I love that mentality. That gives me a lot of joy to do that. Um, 
but I found over the years there's been a few instances where I've been a little too nice, a little too trusting, got a little bit taken advantage of and got burned in the end and had to learn some hard lessons from that. So I had to realize that um, it's okay to be nice, but you have to look after yourself first and foremost. And sometimes you have to have those tough conversations and you have to be just a little bit more careful. So that sounds kind of weird that it's just being too nice, but that has gotten me into trouble a few times because I never want to hurt feelings and Mm -hmm. I never want to make somebody feel bad. So I've had people, I've had, you know, times, um, one of them was when, uh, my mom was very ill. She was on her deathbed. As a matter of fact, this was about four years ago. And I had uh, long story short, I had to take about six weeks off. And when I came back to work, I had, uh, I could just feel it was weird with all my, almost all of my artists with the exception of a couple. And, um, had somebody basically come in and was poaching my clients and I lost some of them. And it was somebody I considered a friend. So that was a really tough one to swallow. And that was very shortly after I started working with Dawn too. So um, that always makes it a little bit tricky, you know, when you're trying to explain things. So I've had a few times where I've just been too trusting um, and I learned some hard lessons from that. So I still do my best to trust, but I'm a little bit more cautious and a little bit more selfish, I think. I have a lot of boundary work to do. I'll always take the call, you know what I mean? But sometimes the plate is too full. The word selfish has got a bad rap, right? But the word selfish itself, of course, going to like have a massage, right, for example, is for yourself. Like you're doing it to feel better. But why do people automatically think the word selfish is a bad thing? Is negative. The connotation, yeah. yeah. So I've been thinking a lot about that lately. So it's really interesting to hear you say that. If you change selfish to self-care, total different connotation, right? So mm-hmm. it's, for me, it um, this is something I call a gift of COVID. And part of all the changes that I, that I made uh, last year and in moving into that full-time position with Dawn and leaving behind some things that were near and dear to my heart, specifically the executive director position with Country Music Alberta, love those guys to bits and my heart was invested in there. And still is. Um, But I also realized that I was getting to a point myself where, um, I mean, you've gotten to know me fairly well. I'm pretty much happy all the time. And I love my work. I got to the point where it was like, I was not enjoying work anymore. I didn't even want to listen to music anymore. It was just like, shut it off. Like there was just no joy. And then I eventually realized, I wonder if this is what burnout feels like. You know, but I was working. I worked for myself, I work from home, it's my little business. And I was working seven days a week. Um, And I think it just got to the point where it was too much. So I had to make some of those tough decisions. Um, I I also during the COVID times was spending more time at home, less time traveling, finding a little time for myself, trying to find a better balance. And once I found that, that's when I became a little bit selfish saying, I want more of this. I want to be able to have my Sunday off and do nothing or read a book or go for a walk. But it was really, really, really hard to do. But I learned it. I made some tough decisions. Um, They were very hard at the time. Like, again, the decision, I always say the decision to go full time with Dawn was both the hardest and the easiest decision 
I've ever made business-wise. And it was the hardest because I didn't want to have to make it because I, I didn't want to have to walk away from other things that were near and dear to my heart. But then on the other hand, it was the easiest because I knew there was no question what my decision was. It was never a question it was going to be continuing on with Dawn. So um, that was a real tough time for me working through some of that. But I'm very happy to say I found the joy again. <laughs> I enjoy music again. And I have found a much better balance. But I don't know that I would have found that without COVID. So I consider that a gift from COVID, finding that self-care and learning to be a little bit selfish. Mm -hmm. Because you should never feel guilty about like, for example, spending last moments with your mother or whatever you needed to do to, you know, process what was going on in your life. That's something no one should ever feel guilty for. And if someone you're doing business with is going to make you feel that way, then right, you know, that's the lesson right there. So. Well, I had another, that same time, this one, this is one of the only times I've truly, truly gotten very angry. Same time frame. I can't even uh, picture it, you angry. <laughs> <laughs> it happens on occasion. Um, it, it was the same case. My mom, she was literally at this point. So it was at, I don't know, a, a person I wasn't even doing any work with. He had wanted to do a bit of consulting. I'd had a couple like just chats with him talk about a few things I had a business partner working with me at the time as well and so um she kind of took over some of that and this guy was continually emailing texting me messaging on Facebook uh wanting this needing that and I had told him look here's what's happening in my personal life my mom is not well I'm stepping back from work for a bit to be able to spend the time with her. I'll be back to you down the road. And this wasn't, it's not like it was Dawn or somebody that I was working with. Anyway, this fellow was unrelenting and got to the point where I actually got a message and we are like an hour away from my mom passing away. And I get this message from him basically saying how he's been mistreated. And it was just, I was just Lord. And again, nobody I was even committed to working with, just someone that wanted some help with some stuff. So I remember it was uh, just after that, I sent him a very forthright message when that was done and told him under no circumstances would I be working with him and here is why and then I remember it was about a month later Alberta Music uh, reached out to me because he was looking for some help and I was one of the people that they often came to uh, to connect the dots there so I got on the phone pretty quick with them and said here's something you need to know about this guy and I had to block him on socials I had to block him on everything so again one of those lessons learned, right? Yeah. It's Sarah Burke here, the host of the Women in Media podcast and the founder of the Women in Media Network. Yep. Now there's an entire network. I've been working really hard to get things off the ground. And what would I do without coffee? I can barely function without it. But I feel much better about putting a coffee that's full of superfoods in my body. I've been loving the Focus Fuel Instant Mushroom Coffee from Organic Traditions. And of course, all the ingredients are organic. It's packed with lion's mane mushroom to support memory, focus, and cognitive function, adaptogens to nourish your brain, and MCT powder to boost your energy and improve mental clarity. And before you make that face, no, it doesn't taste like mushrooms. It tastes like coffee. Actually better than most. There are hints of cinnamon and vanilla, and it is absolutely delicious. 
Did I mention it also just won Best New Mushroom Enhanced Beverage in a 2024 Brand Spark survey? Want to try the Focus Fuel Mushroom Coffee yourself? Head to OrganicTraditions.com and use the promo code WOMENINMEDIA20 for 20% off at checkout. And by the way, that applies for the entire site, not just the coffee. You're welcome. Just add water and get at it. Hey, through all these tough times, though, what does it feel like to be awarded Industry Person of the Year from an organization like Country Music Alberta after all of this? Yeah, you know what? It's um, it's it, it's very cool. Don't get me wrong, and it's uh, something I never thought I I would see. Because again, small town Alberta. I decided when my kids were almost grown that I'd been a stay at home mom, and it was like my husband said to me, "What do you want to do?" Because he was a long way from retirement, and I literally had the gift of being able to say, if I could pick anything in the world to do what would I do? And I was doing a lot of what I'm doing now, just kind of volunteer, right? So I thought, I'm going to make that a job. So I went back to school, uh, got some education behind me, did the music incubator program, and then, boom, started moving forward, just doing my thing um, as best I could and really learning as I went. Um, And I did that for, so I've been in the business 12 years full time. And so I would say the first six to seven, I was doing okay, um, happy what I was doing, but I can't say that I was super effective because I wasn't working at a level where I had relationships in place to really help advance an artist's career. So again, building those relationships, right? Uh, Wasn't making any money. Um, Thank goodness I did have a husband covering the big bills. So that was good. (laughs) I didn't have the pressure of having to pay a mortgage or put food on the table. Um, And then built to the point where um, started making a little bit of money and then started getting some traction. And then of course, working with Dawn's really helped. We've really kind of come up together. So in those early years, I never even thought about things like that. I never thought it would be anything I would ever, you know, be considered for. Um, And it wasn't necessarily something that to me meant I was successful. But as that nomination came up, and and it's been it's been interesting, because again, 12 years in, um, and it's not about the awards, but it is a nice byproduct. And here's why. So I came from you know, when we had the MDM management team win at CCMAs, that was super cool. And of course, at that time, like it was, um, I'm thinking this, this is, again, the small town girl not really thinking. So here we are at the CCMA gala and um, MDM wins first time they've ever won. And we're just so excited because yay, good for Mike. And then Mike turned around pointed at me and the other managers and brought us all up with him. My first thought was, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have had that second glass of wine. And then thinking, oh, I didn't even think that that was me. Like, I just thought that was MDM. And yet I'm on the org chart and have been for three years as the MDM management team. So that was cool. And it made me kind of stop and go, oh, okay, all right, that was great. Uh, And then uh, I uh, had the gold records come. Uh, in the mail. Another thing I never thought I'd see in my career, that was about two months later. And then when it got to Country Music Alberta, having the nomination, um, even having the initial one, 
in the contenders round was super cool because um, I had never been eligible for it before because I was the ED of Country Music Alberta at the time as well. Right. So, uh, so that was super cool because it's just at that point, it's um, people submit who they want for awards. That was great. Went through one round of voting, um, made the top 10, which again was such an honor. And then went through the next round of voting and then had the official nomination, which I was thrilled with. And the biggest reason I was thrilled with it is all of these people are my friends and my family, literally. And I know how many we started with and I know what they bring to the table. And I, I know um, how hard they all work. And just to have my name in with some of those people in the business was like, oh, man, this is super cool. I've never had a nomination before. Um, and then when I won, and, and ironically enough, I had been pulled in, um, the executive director they hired after I left had ended up quitting on them about four weeks before the awards. So Ooh. I stepped back in to help and was actually working, running around doing stuff, which was great. I was glad I could do that. But I remember when I won and going up there, honestly being shocked that I won because I really didn't expect to and I just remember in that moment and just feeling the love in the room and uh, I remember just thinking about that and and two things came into mind um, the CCMA was wonderful don't get me wrong but and I even said this when I did my little speech to be in that room with in my home community with my people being honored to accept this award because it's been it's also um peer voted so for me that told me that all of these amazing people that work every bit as hard as I do and bring so much to the table that sent me a message that I'm bringing value to the table and they're seeing that rather than it being you know popularity contest it was the peers voting seeing that what you do is bringing value to everyone so that was the big win for me, not the actual award or anything else, but to have that recognition and validate and validation. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, standing there a little bit went through my head hmm, for all of those in the past that have wronged me. This is for you. So it was <laughs> actually a nice moment to be able to. Good. I, I kind of hope they see it. <laughs> don't know if they ever yeah. did or not it really doesn't matter but uh yeah. it's very cool I, I I may never ever and I I probably won't ever win anything else but uh I've got what I call the triple crown after all the years of hard work and working my way up there's the CCMA the gold records and uh the country music cupboard industry person of the year that's the triple crown as far as I'm concerned and I'm done other than one day I want to see a gold record for Donna Merrill on that wall oh we're working on that though right we're working <laughs> that's on great. it so you've mentioned, you know, your your husband, you've mentioned Mike and Don. You're you're working around a lot of males. Um and it seems like all the the males that you've been around have definitely played a role in empowerment, which I love. Has there been um a moment that you can recall with any of it doesn't have to be Mike or or Don, it can be anyone, but is there a moment where you remember being like, "Wow, like that, you know, that that's true support. That's truly trying to empower me versus trying to take that away from me. Yes. Mike being a big one. At the CCMAs, you know, when you, what you were saying about how he pointed to you right away in his big moment. Like, I love that. 
yeah, it's like he got all of us up there, uh, yeah. which was amazing. Um, and I, I think, again, going back to, to Mike, uh, so there was instance, we were about a year or so, it's probably just pre-COVID, and I referred to this a little bit earlier, but we were... Um, yeah, this is a cool story. I'm glad you asked this. So we were okay. just pre-COVID. We were about a year or so into our agreement with MDM. So doing well, but, you know, still kind of feeling our way, still the new kid on the block. And uh, I had had, again, opportunity, uh, job opportunity come into play that would have meant um, me. Well, initially it would have meant it might have involved on as well with, again, one of the big management companies and some of our big Canadian artists. So super cool, again, that just that they saw I was bringing value to the table. Did he even come to me with that? So that was great. And I remember a having to have a conversation with Mike because it may affect Don and the co-management piece and all of that. And speaking with Don, as I always do for any career change, uh, one, because he would be more affected than anyone. And two, um, because as a friend, I really value his opinion. And I remember having that conversation with Mike. And I remember Mike saying, and he said this a few times since, um, this is all great, and, and thank you for this and the discussion. But he said, you need to do what's best for you. And I thought that was amazing because he could have said, well, what the heck are you doing? Why are you even considering this? Blah, 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 blah. But he didn't. He said, you need to figure out what's best for you. And, oh, by the way, if you don't take it, we <laughs> might have a little bit of help that we're looking for on the label side with MDM. So as it turned out, it worked out that way. So not only did he kind of empower me to really stop and think about me, not about MDM, not about Don, think about me and what's best for me, but also, you know, put his money where his mouth is. And now I'm also helping out the label as well. So Mike has just been uh, a mentor and a, uh, um, yeah, just a great mentor. And we don't always agree. You know, we've had some, I wouldn't say heated conversations, but, you know, conversations where, oh, well, what about this? And well, what about that? But I think you need to think about this. But we're always able to do that. And in the end, you, you always, uh, you, you always, you know, come to agreement and figure out how you're going to do and we work it out, you meet in the middle, whatever needs to be done. So he's been a real uh, guidance and inspiration uh, for that for sure. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have like um, a foundation that allows you guys to be very honest with each other, even when something is going to get heated, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's uh, again because Don and I have always operated that way. I don't think Don could operate any other way, and so therefore <laughs> I can't uh, either. And sometimes it is having those tough conversations, but you're figuring it out from there, right? Mm -hmm. Actually, one more. Um, biggest supporter, biggest mentor I've ever had, Jim Campbell uh, at Slate Music has been a 15-year friend and supporter, empowers me each and every day. And this goes back about 15 years, actually before I was even in the music business. And I had been looking at getting into uh, event management, actually. And this came out of a cold call trying to book. This goes back to Canadian Idol days and, and wanting to book uh, Caelan Porter the year he won for uh, Music Foundation. I was putting on a benefit concert for. Did a cold call reach out to a fellow by the name of Jim Campbell, who uh, was managing the Idols back in the day. Uh, Jim is now at Slate Music. And Jim is one that took my call 
Uh, never got Kalen Porter, but from that moment on for the last 15 years, he has probably been my absolute biggest mentor in this business. He's been there as an ear uh, when things have not been good or when they have been good. He's been there to guide and advise. And he's been there to challenge me as well more than anything. He's, you know, he lets me know what needs to be done, but he doesn't necessarily make it super easy for me and say, here you go, I'll connect you with this person. But he watches, he sees the work, he sees what's happening, and he sees the build. And he's like, you know what, I have somebody I want to introduce you to. I think this can really make a difference. Let's do this. So over 15 years, we've built from me being not at all in the music business to building to a pretty good level where we've now become more friends and counterparts than anything. But he has empowered me, I think, each and every day and, and still does. If I need something, I'm struggling with something, he's one of the first people I go to. And I know he's going to give me the straight answer and tell me what I need to hear, uh, whether it's something I want to hear or not. So he's definitely been very empowering for me over the journey. Well, follow up. What's something that he made you think differently about in a very valuable way? That he made me think differently about uh, mostly the why. Why do you want to do a certain thing? Why, why do you feel you need to do this? Um, have you thought about other ways that you can do it? And, and thinking Maybe outside. Taking the ego that. out a little bit? Yeah, taking the ego out a little bit and thinking yeah. about, um, again, just going back to your reason for everything that you do. And that may seem like the thing to do because that's the way everybody does it. But do you really need to do that? Maybe that's the, not the way to go. As a matter of fact, um, now that I think about it, he's also the one, as we were exploring labels, uh, he's also the one that pointed me in the direction of MDM for Don Amaro. So again, kind of another full circle moment to be able to, to kind of do that. But he just, he, yeah, he asks the hard questions and he doesn't just give you, here, let me do this for you. He doesn't do it for you, but he teaches, he advises, he watches, and he supports. And then when the time or opportunity is right, he'll open that door for you. So you may have already covered this, in which case, uh, you know, we can just move right along. But what has been your proudest moment in the music industry so far? Was it that award? Was it something else? Is it opening a gold record that arrives to your house? Is it being asked to join MDM? Is it... You know what? There's been so many. Um, for me, it's some of the small things. There'd be two that pop immediately to my mind. And one would be, um, again, when... Dawn and I first started working together. I'll give you the super quick story here. So this was six years ago at Breakout West. And I knew who Don Amaro was. I was a fan. I'd seen him perform. Might have even been a little bit fangirl. And uh, <laughs> so we were both at Breakout West. And we had been in a, he had been, we'd been in the room, same room where there was a panel going on. And he got up to do a little demonstration and sang a song. And I, I think I Facebook live did or something. And Don being Mr. Polite made sure he thanked me for that after. And I'm like, oh, oh Don Amaro talked to me. So then um, on the last night, very last night of uh, Breakout West showcase, all our Alberta artists were showcasing at midnight at some dive bar. Um, and I was going out to support our Alberta crew there. And Don just happened to be on that bill. 
So he showed up a little bit early, came and had a chat. We sat, we chatted about a few things and, and you know, whatever, enjoyed the showcase. He was amazing. I had a, a friend I was traveling with at that time, and I'll never forget this. The next morning, here we are, we're getting all ready for our day. So, oh, my God, wasn't Don Amaro amazing? And we've got his music playing, and we're just talking about how awesome he is. And my phone goes, ding. And I looked at it, and I kind of showed my friend, and it was Don Amaro on Facebook. And I'm like, look and so he basically said hey I enjoyed chatting to you yesterday just wondering if you might have time for coffee Um, I'd love to learn more about porch swing and my first thought was how does this guy not have an agent a manager like everything but I'm like sure okay long story short and we often say this now that 20 minute coffee turned into three hours which has now turned into six years so it's a longest coffee date in history but that moment when he came to me wanting to learn more about what I did and I think the other proudest moment for me would have been at the Country Music Alberta Awards and it's not the getting the award it's the people that came up to me after to tell me things like, um, you are always there when somebody needs help. You're always so nice. And it sounds so silly because I am literally known as, oh, she's that little nice one. I'm known as that. And uh, the number of people that have said, you're kind of like our mother hen. You make sure everybody has what they need and you always, always make time for everybody. To me, that was a huge proud moment because it is why I do what I do. It's just, it's straight from the heart. Sometimes that can hurt you, as we've talked about. And some will say, as an artist manager, keep business and personal separate. I can't manage that way. These guys become my families. They become my friends. And it's as simple as that. So to have people... Say it's not because I got this award or because I did that or because Dawn was on the CCMA show, but it was because I make time for people and everybody feels um, valued Mm -hmm. when we have a conversation. That was huge for me. That I will always carry with me because that's why I do what I do. And the name of this episode just came to me as you were talking. Not so little Lori Brown. (laughs) <laughs> not so little Lori Brown there we go right but, yeah. you might you might be a little shorter than the average music industry person <laughs> but y- your story's not little uh, well thank you for that um y- you know it's funny I'm just gonna add something here uh because like I say I am known as that nice one and I do think it's important to be nice and to be kind to people even those who have wronged you you know, we need it so much right now. We, we really do. Um, but the other, the flip side of that, and we all hear this, don't mistake kindness with weakness. And there's been a number of instances out there, because I am nice, that people put it this way. I'm nice and I'm not aggressive. That doesn't mean I'm not assertive and don't get stuff done. And so that's been a bit of a flip side for people when they're not expecting that. Because when I do need to step up or I do need to kick a butt or I do need to have the hard conversations or say what needs to be said or even get a little bit angry now and then, people aren't expecting it. So um, maybe that's a bit of a secret weapon, we'll say. I love it. So I asked you to think about a few women who you admire, whether you know them or not, uh, that you would love to hear more about the journey that they've been through in the media. Who would you nominate to come on this podcast? 
you know, I put some good thought into that because there's really so many outstanding women. Um, the first one that came to mind for me, and I don't know if you know her, is Tara Lee Flamin. Yes, I know her. Yeah, so Tara Lee, she's got a background in radio. She was Country Music Alberta Awards producer. I worked very closely with her over a number of years on that. She has done absolutely everything this business. And in my mind, she has, she's A, got stories, and B, she's one of the strongest women I know without a doubt. So uh, she would be one that um, I would love to hear more from. Uh, and the two other ones that came to mind are actually kind of co-managers on mind over at MDM. Uh, one is uh, Carmen Choney, which I'm sure you know everybody knows Carmen. Um, and she's just, again, she's had this career since she was in her teens, I think. And anyone who knows her knows how outspoken she is, how forthright she is, and uh, just has done everything. So she's another one that came to mind. And the third one that came to mind uh, happens to be another co-manager, Cassidy Peterson, by the way, from Muse uh, Creative. And uh I always knew of her, but I never really knew what she's done. I knew she was from Alberta. So we actually had time to sit down, have a conversation. And I was floored by the journey she's been on and some of the hardships that she's had to face. I thought I faced some tough times. She blows me out of the water with some of that stuff. So uh, those are the three that just really came to mind for me that uh, um, I thought would be great. Well, it has been so nice talking to you. It has been a pleasure working with you when I've had the chance, but it was nice to get you talking about yourself because I don't think uh, that's something that you're all too comfortable with yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not something I do a whole lot, and that's why I like to do the behind-the-scenes thing, but yeah. I, I do like to be able to share, again, if this helps somebody listening to what my journey's been um, and that helps somebody, that's a great thing. And thank you for inviting me on the show. I think I mentioned to you I'm a fan of the podcast, and I've been thank listening you. to a lot of the podcasts, so that's been, uh, that's been really cool. And I have a quote I want to share with you before we wrap up and I'll tell okay. you who it's from and I'm going to date myself but it takes everything and wraps it up into a nutshell for me and I think of it probably every day okay tell me this industry will knock you down time and time and time again but the only thing that matters is what you do when you get back up I might have needed to hear that. You know, I think we all do. And I think of that often, especially when we all have those days where the wheels fall off and it can be the day after that big award or that big whatever that you get. It's true. I've picked myself up time and time again, sometimes when I haven't wanted to it, I wanted to, but you pick yourself up and you keep going and I we might change what we're doing or alter the path a little bit, but you just got to pick yourself back up. Do you want to know where it came from? Yes. The quote is from Donnie Osmond. That's so Isn't funny. That crazy? I was I was at a Donnie Osmond concert in 2015 when I I, I did the incubator program I was in Toronto for three months and he was playing at Niagara so I went with a friend of mine just kind of throwback stuff because I was a huge Donnie Osmond fan when I was very young and I remember when he said that because he's been in the he's got like a 50 year career at the time and I remember I, I don't even think I remember what he sang that night but I think when he said that I just went okay yeah. and that's been my motto each and every day that's been my motto so there you go it came from Donnie Osmond of all people how wise we start with Don Amaro we end with Donnie Osmond <laughs> 
find out more about Lori Brown, you can look at the episode notes, check out her website. If you're enjoying this podcast, but you have yet to subscribe and take our relationship to the next level, please consider hitting follow, the little bell, the like, or the subscribe button on your favorite podcast service. And follow along on social media at Women in Media Pod or on my website at womeninmedia.ca where you'll be able to get to know my other guests. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Where's us luck? This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.